Travis Bader, and this is the Silvercore Podcast. Silvercore has been providing its members with the skills and knowledge necessary to be confident and proficient in the outdoors for over 20 years, and we make it easier for people to deepen their connection to the natural world. If you enjoy the positive and educational content we provide, please let others know by sharing, commenting, and following so that you can join in on everything that Silvercore stands for. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a member of the Silvercore Club and community, visit our website at silvercore.ca. We've had some spectacular guests on the show in the past, and today is no exception. I'm joined by a four-time best-selling author and specialist in human science, neuroscience, quantum technology, and futurism. Welcome to the Silvercore Podcast, John Sine. Thank you so much. Uh, wonderful to be here with you, and thank you for having me on. Coming all the way from Dubai, this is, uh, we've got quite the time difference here. I think it's uh, 7.30 in the morning for me, and about the same time at night for Set, you over there. Exactly. Exactly. 12 <laughs> hours apart, exactly on the dot. You know, we were talking about this uh, previously, and like, what is a guy from a show about firearms and hunting wanting to do, <laughs> yeah. talking with a futurist? Like, what, what, what value am I going to bring over? And uh, had, had a good laugh about that, but man, you've got some yeah. amazing content. So, you know, might as well just get out of the way. You've got a podcast called The Expansive. Yes. If people right. haven't heard of it, uh, they should. I mean, uh, you guys broke some records last year, I think. What You were ranked, uh, you and Eric Kruger, top, top, top five. Yeah, yeah. Top shared 5% globally. most shared globally on Spotify and top 1.5% one, um, po top podcast on Apple. So some good stats yeah, there. Also actually quite surprising to us. So it was really good that we got those stats. Why surprising? You know, I think we're just so busy researching and trying to add value to the world. We, we're not tracking these things, you know what I mean? And uh, in fact, late last year, we were planning to rethink our podcast and think about new things and new names. And then all of a sudden, Spotify sent us our rap, you know, the year, year in rap. And it yep. told us we're in the top 5%. And both Eric and I were like, Seriously? That's unbelievable. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't expect it to be at that level, right? And we actually looked up some other podcasts that we liked, and we saw them share, and they weren't in the top 5%. And we were, we were quite uh, surprised, so pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it kind of blows me away when I look at these things. It, it means you're on the right path anyways. There's, yes. you know, when we are talking before, you're like, what is a guy like me going to bring to you? And just for the audience, yeah. I think in a little bit, we'll talk a little bit about what it is that you do, but uh, yes. through your podcast, through social media, and we'll put link, links up to this in the description so people can kind of check it out. You. you have some very yeah. well thought out ideas and opinions on how to deal with adversity, um, how to be optimistic, how to unlearn and relearn um, meditation. You know, I've spent enough time out in remote wilderness areas in a very contemplative state to come to the conclusion that there seems to be some sort of natural order to things. Uh, things mm. seem to resonate on, uh, 
on a level that if you're attuned to it and able to pick up on it, you can interact with your natural environment in a better way. You can interact with others in a better way. And even though that might not necessarily be your world of hunting and firearms, that's only a small portion of me. And I think that we're all very interconnected, whether it's us as humans or us as animals on this planet, in kind of a unique way. And some of the things that you're talking about really resonate with me in what I've noticed out in nature. So that was sort of what compelled me. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And you're so right. You know, I think think we've forgotten the symbiosis that is happening naturally uh, between us and reality, uh, let alone us and nature. And how nature Mm. has evolved over the last billions of years is really a, a, a very patient, wise, and relaxed approach to reality. And it seems as though over the last 200 years, we've been bamboozled by shiny objects and have driven ourselves to sickness and death and disease to chase some ridiculous notion of goal out there. And the media machine has been in overdrive, um, driving these messages to us. And so I just have, I've had to break out of that, that, that cycle myself and uh, I was very much stuck in it in my 20s. And coming out of that, I feel a responsibility to a certain extent to try and help as many other people realize that it isn't the only way. And it's just a unfortunate programming that we've got ourselves stuck into. So you very wisely have noted that when you're out in nature, it becomes quite obvious when we come back into the cities we almost get caught up in the rat race again. And uh, as the saying goes, if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's a good saying, actually. I've heard it differently yeah. about arguing on the internet, but it's not quite as politically correct as that. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do like that one. So, you know, we've, we're coming out of COVID. We're coming out of what I saw in my spheres and in my environment, because while I am interested in the outdoors and hunting, and I wouldn't call myself a gun guy, even though other people look at me and they say, Trav, you're a gun guy, right? Um, I've seen a fear in people of uh, what's happening around them in the world. I've seen uh, people wanting to be prepared and recognizing their lack of preparedness. And so in the outdoors industry that you saw a lot of people uh just clamoring towards finding uh courses or products that will help them survive in in the outdoors but i i've always been a very firm believer that it doesn't matter what you buy if you don't have the right mindset to be able to use the tools available and around you you're kind of lost and that's where your area of expertise is is in dealing with that mindset and those those tools what, what yeah. do you feel about that? So, yeah. Yeah. Look, I think there's a panic in the world. And mm. I think that if we think about any transformation that we're going through, whether we want to lose weight, uh, change careers, or just think about the transformation that humanity is going through at the moment, it's a massive, massive undertaking of change that's happening all around us. And there's always three phases to the hero's journey of change. There's the sadness. Uh, where we have to leave the shore of familiarity. Sometimes we have to leave our identities. And often we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and years and years developing these identities, developing this level of knowledge. And the portal, the pandemic portal, has pushed us out of this 
comfort zone that we were in, even though it was very hectic and very driven by fear and anxiousness, it was still a comfort zone to a certain extent. We kind of had some level of certainty of the future. And coming out of the pandemic, we realized that there is really no certainty. There is really mm. a total unknown ahead of us. And so we have to deal with the sadness. And many people, if not most people, avoid sadness at all costs. And mm. the problem is when we avoid sadness, it shows up as anger. There's a great saying that says, I sat with my anger long enough until she told me her name was grief. And right. this is the, the idea that when we don't process certain emotions, they bubble up as other emotions. And if you think about some cultures in the world, I'm in the Middle East, but if you think about Arab men and Russian men in general, and I don't want to generalize totally, but they seem quite angry just from, just from their culture, just the way they talk. And the reason is, is that their culture doesn't allow them to process sadness. There's no mm. such thing in that culture to process sadness. So first off, we have two types of people in the world right now. We have very sad people and very angry people because the carpet's been pull out, pulled out, out of our feet, under our feet, and we don't know what the future is. Now, the second phase of transformation is the wilderness, the strangeness, this new world that isn't quite the world it used to be, and it isn't quite the world it's going to be, and we are still old versions of ourselves, and we find ourselves bewildered in this new world. Now, the problem is, is that you haven't processed sadness, you're arriving angry. You're arriving mm. frustrated. You're not actually arriving curious. You're not actually arriving open-minded to take in any new information because you're in survival mode because you haven't gone through the emotional process of processing those emotions to come to a place where you can become optimistic about all this change. Mm. Now, I'm just gonna, I'm going to I'm going to keep going and then you can stop me if you want, but the third oh, phase of trans Okay. The the third phase of transformation is adventure. And eventually we always get to an adventure because that's how the hero's journey works. You're going through a downfall a recreation of yourself and then into a process in time where you start to enjoy and celebrate this new version of yourself. And then again, what happens? Winter arrives, the leaves fall off the trees, everything dies, and then we go up back into spring and summer. And this is a cycle that goes on continuously in our lives, in the world, in economics, in pretty much everything that we think about is not in a linear line, but in a cycle. Now, mm -hmm. the problem is, is that for the last 200 years, we have been indoctrinated and programmed into the Industrial Revolution, which is all about one straight line. Mm -hmm. There's no cycles in the economies of scale. It's about profitability and harvesting at every quarter. There's no mm -hmm. downtime. There's no relaxation. There's no time for sadness. Please. Get over yourself, get on with the mission, because you have quarterly profits right. to get to, you have a deadline to achieve. And so for the last 200 years, we've been programmed into this idea that we're part of a production line, we've been part of a system, and the better we fit into the system, the more successful we become. The system is called schooling, organizations, mm -hmm. and even religion. The better mm -hmm. you are at the system, the better you are at the following the rules, the better we think we will come out. Now, when we fit into a system, 
that is driven by deadlines. And many religions are driven by guilt, not love, as much as they'd like to think they're driven by love. We realize that what this has done to our brains is that it's got us addicted to a brainwave called a high beta brainwave. Now, what a high beta brainwave says to our body is that we're in danger. And when we're in danger, the way we prepare is through a process of adrenaline and focus on an absolute outcome in a very selfish manner. Because why? Mm -hmm. We're in survival mode to achieve, not to rest, not to relax, not to curate, not to collate, but to achieve and harvest at all costs. Now, the whole world is both sad and strange and addicted to high beta. And you can see this, and you can see this because the medical industry has almost tripled in value in the last 10 years. And Mm. you can see that most people are medicating away this level of anxiousness. And you'll see that everybody is a wine specialist. No, they're not. They're just alcoholics. (laughs) They think they're telling us they're wine specialists and a connoisseur of whiskey. I'm a marijuana is just so good for you. No, what's actually happening is we numbing ourselves because we don't know what else to do. Exactly. We just don't know. So Mm -hmm. we think it's a socially acceptable way to numb ourselves. And so this is really the beginning point of my research is to try and connect the dots between the neuroscience of anxiousness and where we are in economic terms and where we are in the cycle of humanity and start to unravel this for people to try and get them to understand there is a way out, but first and foremost, what we must become is become aware of what cycle we're in and what's happened to us. Did you have an aha moment where all of a sudden you're like, I've got to make a change? Because you're saying that in your 20s, you're addicted to certainty and you're addicted to the certain way of, of living. Or was this a gradual progression that you just found yourself further and further outside of the norm? Um, you know... I come from a single mom family and we were always financially challenged as many single family mom families are. And I was very frustrated by not having the financial means that all my friends had. Mm. And so I started working from a very young age and I, I worked like an absolute donkey. I mean, I worked so hard. And by the time Mm. I was in my twenties, I was a multimillionaire. I had six restaurants, I had three retail stores, I had 28 vending machines at shoe distribution businesses. I mean, I was unstoppable. And I often Mm. joke that high levels of testosterone and lots of money are a horrible formula for disaster because you think Mm -hmm. you're bulletproof, but you're really not bulletproof, right? Mm -hmm. Especially in your 20s when you think you have all the answers of the world uh, already Mm -hmm. sorted. And the first break in in my sort of trajectory was bankruptcy. At 31 years old, I, I lost my businesses, I lost my house, I lost my car. I often joked that I had to change my name to Carlos because I had no car, I had no house. I mean, it was, everything was gone, right? <laughs> At least you could joke about so, it. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, look, in hindsight, I can joke about it. But trust me, right. when I was there, it was quite a pitiful situation. Sure. And that was the first break. And what had started happening to me is I started realizing that I was unhappy when I didn't have money. Because I just want to, because I just didn't have money. And then when I had started having a lot of money, all I needed was a little bit more. And then when I had no money again, I was unhappy again. And I was just constantly unhappy. And in my second book, I started off with a line that says, are you running away from the darkness or are you running towards the light? And I like that line. Many, 
Yeah, and many people are, and from the outside, it looks exactly the same, right? Mm-hmm. But one is driven by and fueled by anxiousness, and the other one is fueled by excitement. Right. And most people are driven by running away, not running towards. And you can only also, run away for so long. Yeah, but there's also a stigma associated with it, too, because people, maybe they want to change their, their position or their lot, or they're not happy with where they are, and they see something more desirable they want to move towards. And they're like, well, I don't want to give up. I mean, I don't want to be viewed as somebody who's giving up. I'm already down this path. I just, if I just put my, hit my nose to the grindstone and keep plugging away... But that little shift in mentality, are you giving up? Are you actually running away from something or are you running towards something more desirable? And I really like yeah. that framing. And I think it, that framing that you have in your book there helps a lot of people. Absolutely. I mean, it is the difference between building wealth and running yourself sick trying to make some sort of success for yourself. It's a, so, and building happy money, right? It's a huge difference. Okay. T- talk about happy money because that's an interesting concept. You know, happy money is when you are not always driven by comparison and not driven by a sense of lack, a sense of insecurity. Now, look, mm. there's a lot of, lot of rich people out there that are driven by insecurity. I have a billionaire friend, and I had dinner with him many, many years ago when he first became a billionaire. And I asked him what his relationship with money was like. And he said to me, you know, John, secretly I'm poor every morning. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, you know, why, why would you want to have that much money and still be poor? Like, what, what's the, wh- when do you arrive? Like, mm-hmm. when do you actually relax? And so what we've done is we are celebrating restlessness. We're celebrating so, this constant run. Mm. R- Rockefeller was once asked, uh, how much is enough? Look at how much money you have. Apparently a reporter mm-hmm. asked him, was like, when are you going to have enough here? How much more do you need? And he answer, his answer was just $1 more. Always exactly. just $1 more. And exactly. I remember growing up and I learned to swim at a friend's house. They had a swimming pool. They were very affluent. Father was a dentist. He was my dentist. I learned to ride horses sort of on, on their property. And I, I mean, they got multiple properties in the States of which he gladly says, hey, Travis, if you want, go go stay at them and we've stayed at some of them and i remember sitting in the dentist chair in my early 20s late teens early 20s and i'm like so what's it like to be rich right? and uh, yeah. he says you know the more money you have the more bills you have right there's mm-hmm. there, you, you have more you spend more it's all the mm-hmm. same though and that was his mm-hmm. perspective and i thought that was kind of interesting mm-hmm. were you happy I think we in your won't... 20s when you're really achieving yeah. I was in fleeting moments when I was in my sports car. I, I mean, that was kind of, you know, I had muscles, a sports car, and it was convertible. I mean, what else would a 25, 28-year-old guy need in his life, right? Mm. Um, I guess I was, but, you know, now that I'm 47 and mm-hmm. I have money, but I have a very simple life. I'm quite content. I am very comfortable, and I have happy money because – I'm patient with the process. I know everything's a process in achieving what I would need to achieve. And I have new ways to measure my success. And that unending chase that's driven by anxiousness and a high beta brainwave is something people think is normal. And it's something people are celebrating. And Mm. it's actually causing sickness. Because when your body's got adrenaline fueling through it 24 hours a day, 365, 
what do you think your body's going to do? It's like, it's like being on the highway and driving in the second gear at 200 kilometers an hour. What do you think is going to happen to your engine? Eventually, it's right. going to seize. Right. So I think, I think it's a maturing. And because I didn't have a dad showing me the ropes, I just had no clue, man. I just, had, I just needed acknowledgement. I just needed people to tell me how great I was because I never got that from a dad. So mm. there was a whole mix of things. So the first break was my first bankruptcy. And that began my process of self-discovery and finding out what was driving my behavior. And for, the, for my 30s, I went through an extensive amount of shamanic work, uh, meditation retreats, silent retreats, body healing. I just did so much of that. And then at, I got married in between, and then at 40, I got divorced. And that was the second break in, mm. my, sort of, in, my, in my emotional state. And that really started to begin me moving to the place I am right now. And I only really started speaking and working with organizations and writing books and becoming faculty at these universities post 40 after the second break. And so I've had two major breaks and both of them have really cracked me open in many ways. And that's kind of got me to this place now. You know, people could become addicted to that feeling of certainty, to the feeling of um, being stuck in the rat race. Like they'll pick up the phone if, if they don't have that energy come in and they'll turn on a TV, they'll view that for a couple seconds. There, there seems to be an addiction that people have that I find being outdoors in a meditative state mm. will help uh, allay. But there could also, mm -hmm. I know of some people who are addicted to the failure as well. When you talk about those breaking points, because they learn so much afterwards that they push themselves so hard until they come to a point where they break and they're now forced to have to rebuild themselves. And I've, I've got a mm. couple of friends like that as well. And it's, it's funny that, that addictedness well, to safety that some have and while others push so mm. far that they know the inevitable outcome of their push is going to be going over the brink and having to figure a, a scramble back up. Well, you know, I think, again, let's just think about what our personality is made up of. <clears throat> our personality is made up of how we think, how we act, and how we feel. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and if we think about <clears throat> how our brains work, science has recently proven that we have somewhere between 60 and 70,000 thoughts a day. And mm. of those 60 and 70,000 thoughts a day, 90% of them are the same from when we're 35 years old. Our brain mm -hmm. has solidified itself into a personality, a persona, a set of values and habits by the time we're 35. And now what happens for the rest of our lives, this 90% of repetition thoughts recreates situations, people, and patterns. And so now mm. what we find in ourselves is that we keep recreating the same issues and we don't know why. Why do you always have a girlfriend that cheats on you? Why do you always have a boss that's not a good guy? Why do you always get a business partner that isn't working out? Why do you always have, why do you always have, it's just, it's a repetition. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they're actually trying to go and breaking themselves. I don't know if they're trying to go through that process. I think it's a set persona and personality that's been hardwired into their brains that they don't know how to break out of. How do people break out of that? Because that's okay. one of the things that you help now people now. do. Yes. <laughs> so, so, so look, so, so the thing is this is, you know, all my keynotes, all my workshops, all my interviews, 90% of it is context. It's for mm -hmm. us to understand 
what has happened firstly is to accept where we are at the moment and give us all an understanding that we're all pretty much in the same boat. This is how our brains work. It's, it's weird because it actually, it feels like our brain is ancient. You know, the software is so outdated. It just doesn't, it's not built for adaptability. It's built for safety, right? So mm -hmm. we really have to evolve our consciousness. We have to evolve our beingness to be able to become okay with uncertainty. So now how do we do that? Now there's two ways that we have seen through scientific research, through brain scans that show us our brain in a state of high beta where there's absolute adrenaline pushing through and our brains in a state of low beta and high alpha, which is the state that gets us to celebrate uncertainty and gets us to become creative, open-minded and imaginative. And those two things are psychedelics and meditation. And mm. those are the two only things that we are seeing at the moment that gives our brain a reset, gives our brain an opportunity to unwire and unfire the personality traits that we have embedded and concretized into our brains. Now, when you look at the brain under a brain scan, under both of those scenarios, it's relaxed. And when mm. your brain is relaxed, it can rewire and refire new thoughts, new habits, and new values. And ultimately, where we need to reach as human beings is get ourselves to state on a daily basis of a calm heart and a clear mind. And what high beta does is exactly the opposite. It gets us mm. to have a fluttering heart and a busy mind. And we've almost come to think and celebrate the busier your heart is, the more fluttering your heart is, the more confused and busy your mind is, well done. That means you're busy. That means you're driving and you're operating at a high level. But really, that's not what the future requires. That future requires a new version of who we are. Interesting. So I've got a, a friend and he's ex-British Special Forces and he fought his first bare-knuckle boxing uh, fight at the O2 Arena over in London there. So professional oh. fight, raising money yeah. for Heroic Hearts. And Heroic Hearts right. deals with um, uh, psilocybin and uh, psychedelic um, yes. use for PTSD in veterans and in soldiers. Yes. And yes. Uh, he's done a lot of research on it. He gave me a book on it. He says, you should read this. And I never did read it. Finally, mm. he's like, just watch the mm. Netflix show. It's got all the information on <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, there, there is a natural... Uh, aversion based on cultural norms to yes. uh, psychedelics, yes. but meditation yes. has a high acceptability rate. Um, in some parts of the world. Mm. You know, in some everywhere. parts it doesn't? No, yeah. of course. Of course, some parts yeah. is, it's like people are thinking, what are you talking about? I mean, they, they attach meditation to sandal wearing, lentil eating, man bun people, you know, <laughs> with baggy pants. <laughs> Right. And so, yes, it's, it's not accepted in some parts of the world. But also remember that conformity is what we've been celebrated for in our society. You know, mm. conform and be celebrated. Go to church and be celebrated. Drink alcohol right. and be celebrated. Take Ritalin, right. take Prozac, and you're great. But smoke a joint. Oh, my God. God forbid you're going off the rails. Mm -hmm. Now, think about the construct of how society is being built is that Anything that helps you heal and open your consciousness is illegal. 
And everything that is dumbing us down, like sugar, like alcohol, like pharmaceuticals, is legislated for us to take and prescribed to us through a medical foundation that's built into our brain that says, this is okay, that's not okay. Very interesting. And there's, I mean, you can extrapolate that all the way to the tinfoil hat side. But, you know, one thing I've noticed is these people with the, I'm doing air brackets here for people who are listening, yeah. who are wearing the, the tinfoil hats. Yeah. A lot of the things that they've been talking about really isn't that crazy with the benefit of hindsight, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, oh, think man. about aliens, right? I mean, they're talking about aliens all this time I'm and over the last two, three years. All of a sudden, we're like, oh, yeah, of course there's aliens. I mean, I mean, 10 years ago, people, half the world would be like, are you crazy? Now it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just a matter of time for them to come meet us, you know? All of a sudden, the tonality's changed. Yeah, and why do you think mm. that is? Well, I mean, I mean, it depends how deep you want to go into it. But what I do think is that consciously, on a mass consciousness level, we're getting ready to engage with them. Because if we believe they're out there, we think we're out there, we, we, we want to engage with them, we're not scared of them, mm-hmm. then they arrive more easily. And, and, and think about how our imagination works. And as Einstein said, he said, imagination is more important than knowledge is the forthcoming attractions to life. And mm. we have not been taught how to use our imagination correctly because we use our imagination in the worst way possible. It's called anxiousness where we catastrophize the future rather than think about it in optimistic ways. Mm. And we are constantly using our imagination because think about this. Have you ever wanted to buy a new car and then you see that car everywhere? Yeah, it happens, right? Yeah, of course, it happens to all of us. And what about that idiot that you don't like that you see at the grocery store, you see him at the traffic light, you see him at the gym, (laughs) you keep bumping. There he is again. There he is again. And again, this is our imagination. And so Mm. we don't give enough kudos to our imagination because why? Imagination gets us to fit out, not fit in. The system Mm. required us to fit in. It wasn't about your curiosity, fascination, and imagination. It was about follow these rules and conform and you'll be celebrated. And Mm -hmm. so, again, think about how our imagination is changing around alien interaction with the filtering of news starting to change. Mm -hmm. Two years ago, when the COVID was happening, we get, oh, yes, the Pentagon is releasing papers that, yes, it's been engaging with. Oh, yeah. And there's a general from Israel talking about all of these alien engagement. Oh, yeah. And then there's a Canadian minister talking. All of a sudden, CNN is talking about, oh, yeah, yeah, this this is normal. We're like, hang on a second. What do you mean this is normal? This wasn't normal just six months ago. Now it's normal. So we are preparing ourselves for it, you know, and, and I think that's also something we need to look at on a mass scale, what's happening to our, our, our mass consciousness around that topic. So that, that idea of mass consciousness, I think, is really interesting. And you talk about fitting in. One thing that I never did well growing up was fit in. In fact, when I was in grade three, uh, and my parents were ready to ship me off. They said they're done. They're trying to find a place they can, <laughs> some sort of a boarding school that'll take me for free. <laughs> and uh, there is a place on the island that they're looking at. And they gave me the brochures. And I'm looking through it. And I'm like, I don't know. And somebody says, you should send him to a shrink. And the shrink says, hey, he's got ADHD, right? He's got a few other things here. Let's prescribe him Ritalin. And in fact, let's prescribe wow. him the highest dosage because they could only prescribe uh, such a high level. So th- wow. they say, 
you'll take eight in the morning, another six in the afternoon, and we'll just keep amping it up. And yeah. we'll this will be a test case. And I did that from, I guess, about grade three to, to grade seven, into grade seven. I'm like, you know, I'm not liking this. I hate this. My eyes are sensitive mm-hmm. to light. I got headaches all the time. My appetite's... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like me, and I just cold turkey took myself off. I said, I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. doing this anymore. So mm-hmm. had that, you know, a lot of things that will happen in your younger years tend to be these things mm-hmm. that kind of hardwire into your brain, and they can start building your pattern into the future. But that idea of fitting in, I've, mm-hmm. I've never really had that, but I can attribute that to a, where I am now. I wouldn't change anything. I look mm-hmm. at what happened in the past as what made me. And it's created a level of uniqueness, what you talk about, or individuality. And, you know, the other, the other thing that being, I guess, a bit of an outsider looking in and watching how things interact, and we talk about this sort of mass consciousness. One thing I've come to uh, realize, there's that famous quote from Viktor Frankl when he was in the concentration camps and everything was taken from him and... He's like, why are some people happy and they're Mm. in atrocious situations and other people in the exact same situation are just beside themselves and can't even function. And he came down to the, he tried to sum it all up. He says, you know, the one thing you can't take from me is the way I choose to respond to what you do to me. Mm. The last of life's great freedoms is one's ability to choose their own attitude in any given circumstance. Mm -hmm. But with Mm -hmm. that choosing of attitude, you create your environment around you. And I'm kind of mm-hmm. just going full circle when we talk about the mass consciousness. Is that the mass consciousness of everybody coming to, or are we creating our own realities that this is what we see, just like we see the vehicle or, or whatever it might be, whereas somebody else, the idea of aliens might not even be on their radar because they're just not mm-hmm. on that frequency. They're not attuned mm-hmm. to it. So, look, it's a fantastic question. And let me just start off with ADHD and um... – Attention deficit disorder means that, and look, I also have some of it, um, and it means that we didn't get enough attention from our parents between the ages of one and five. Something happened. You had a younger brother, a younger sister, something was going on in your parents' marriage, but somehow this AD, this attention deficit, like think of the word, attention deficit. You, mm. you stopped getting attention from your caregivers. Now, it wasn't because they were malicious. But I got a younger brother, and my mom and dad's marriage was atrocious. And so they were fighting. There was constant violence in the household, and Mm. I was the one who was not getting the attention. And guess what? I was not good at school. I didn't fit in. I couldn't go about uh, following, like sitting down for long periods of time. Thank God I never got to the Ritalin idea. But, you know, a lot of kids are suffering from this because of what happened to them in their childhood. Now, I don't know what happened to you, but I definitely know what happened to me. And, and it's, and it's mm. quite obvious why I got that attention deficit disorder. The second question um, that you're talking about is, I think reality has multiple levels to it. And there's a great line that says the future has arrived. It's just unevenly distributed, which means mm. that some people are in the future and some people are in the past. And if you go to little towns around the world, you'll see that these little towns are stuck in 1983. Mm-hmm. They're stuck in 1974. They're stuck in, they're stuck in some time zone. And so people are very happy to go. And, and what happens in those towns? Very little. Time mm-hmm. goes very slowly. And then you go to other cities, and those time is moving, and it's fast. And so I think there's multiple timelines that are happening. 
And there are two mm. major mass consciousness that are happening around the world. One that's driven by fear and one that's driven by love. And so you have lots of people in the world that are absolutely frozen with fear because the economic situation that they are facing, the, the political situation they're facing. I mean, your neighbor, America, is a perfect example of it where you have half the country thinks that everybody's coming to kill them and the whole mm. world is against them. They're in deep victim mode. And then the other side of the country is total liber libertarians taking the left thing far too far. It's like, look at how different those two lives are. It's just, mm. it's on opposite sides of the coin. So I don't know if mass, con there is some mass consciousness, absolutely, but it's divided. There's multiple layers of it. In fact, maybe there's an infinity number of layers to it. There's so many different sort of experiences that are happening. I think it's quite an, it's quite a high consciousness that's seeing and expecting and engaging with our ability to raise our consciousness, to even think about aliens and engaging with other lives. I don't think 80% of the human population is at all in any way doing that, but they've got other realities that they're experiencing. And we all have our own realities that we are experiencing. And you might walk past some people and go, oh, I just don't like their energy. You know, it's like, like low energy. And you might go around some people and say, wow, they've got really high energy. I really like hanging out with them. What you're actually saying is they're running on different frequencies, different radio stations. They're on different mm -hmm. radio waves. And so the world is divided up into these massive different waves and everybody's having their own experience. I remember a number of years ago, there's a company in Burnaby and they make quantum computers. I don't know if they're still around. Mm. I think they're called D-Wave and uh, they had yeah, some I, I predictions. Okay. Mm. Mm. And they had some predictions about quantum computing. And I remember they're talking about how it works in uh, superposition. And that's how they, yeah. every year they've got uh, massive increases in what can happen through that. But one of their predictions was the, uh, the discovery of, I think it was other worlds or other mm. beings within mm. the next X number of years based on the yeah. use of quantum computing. And yes. uh, I had a, a long discussion with an ex-JTF2 uh, fellow and on a show called The Collective talking about AI. And I borrowed mm. shamelessly from some of this, some of your work, just so I could sound a little bit intelligent. <laughs> but I referenced you. <laughs> I, I, I referenced you. you on that. Thank you. And, Thank you. Um, but talking about these realities and what we, mm. how how we can create our own reality. They've got this nonprofit thing mm. they're putting together, and they're trying to help people mm. from a military perspective using what they've learned mm. to be able to get people to. Uh, Un unscrew their life essentially or get onto mm. a, a track that they want to be but mm. the the idea of having other realities uh i think mm. to, to my way of thinking anyways if we can create our own reality if we can create what mm. happens around us just through our actions intentions and your energy or vibration as you're mm. saying there and if we expect that we're going to be seeing and we let's say aliens, which could be a microorganism, which could be a walking, talking mm. being, or it could an extra dimensional mm. being, which might actually even be closer to the fact when we start looking at quantum reality. Um, mm. Where do you see, let's say we're on that path and we're going towards it in the mm. future. Mm. Do you see that as a reality? And do you have thoughts and suggestions for people on how they can embrace that? Wow, I didn't expect the talk to go this direction uh, coming from a gun and hunting show. But anyway, let's, <laughs> let's dive in. <laughs> yep. 
Love it. Okay. I love it. So, look, you like it? Yeah, so do I. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for hey, this opportunity. No problem. Okay, so so let's think about quantum computers. And the idea around quantum computers is talking about the ones and zeros being available to us at the same time. Whereas mm. Newtonian science and the old way of computers said there's either a one or a zero. Okay? Where quantum says they're both around at the same time. Now, right. In Newtonian times, our idea of reality was that there's an action and a delayed reaction. Reality was an objective experience and was linear in fashion. We had to wait an amount of time for things to happen. But what's starting to happen now through the research of quantum science, where we have the the idea that people are moving into deeper and deeper research of smaller and smaller molecules, understanding that everything is waves of light. And mm -hmm. depending on the wave structure, we have density and then lighter and lighter versions of density. And the lighter and higher your consciousness or vibration goes, the more seamless your life seems to become through a process of synchronicities. Now what starts to happen in a process of quantum science, you realize that time is malleable. It's not stuck mm -hmm. in stone. And so when you are doing something you love, time disappears. Mm. When you do something you hate, time takes forever. The same mm -hmm. minute is experienced differently based on your level of consciousness and vibration and understanding. Now, mm -hmm. what quantum science is also proving to us is that there is no time. There's only the forever now. And the forever now can be perceived from an infinite number of vibrational viewpoints. Mm. When your vibration is low, your experience of reality is an echo back to you of your low expectation of yourself, your self-worth, and what the future looks like. So you keep reconfirming yourself and to yourself based on your low vibration belief systems, and you keep confirming that what you're believing is true. But mm -hmm. now the very same experience from a higher vibrational point when your frequency is increased, and again, we can get deeper into raising our frequency and really understanding how to do that, is your experience of time changes, your synchronicities increase, and we must remember that many of these, in, I don't call them aliens, I call them interdimensional beings. And these mm -hmm. interdimensional beings are around us, but on different radio frequencies. Mm -hmm. We are on this radio frequency. They are frequency on another level. They're not as dense as we are. They're much mm -hmm. lighter than us. And so as we elevate our energy, so then it becomes more obvious for us to engage with them and it becomes more obvious for them to engage with us. So let me ask you this. If you are somebody that's working on yourself quite a lot, do you come across people that are addicted to crack cocaine? Do you come across people that are robbing banks? Do you come across people that are involved in pedophile? Not at all. It's just no. not even in your, you don't have, you have no idea that's even happening. You don't know where it's happening, but that's happening right. down the street, down the town. In, it could be happening at the house next to you, but you don't even see it because right. it's not in your vibrational stance. And then mm -hmm. other people have got a very different energy around money. 
everywhere they look, they see ways to make money. And some people never know how to make money, but they live in the exact same space and the exact same town, and, and one person sees it differently to the other. Now, if we extrapolate this idea of you not engaging with bank robbers and not engaging with crack dealers, it means that you're already on a different frequency. Now, extrapolate this up and think about interdimensional beings. They're on a much higher level radio station and frequency to us, and as we engage with our consciousness and rise it, so these beings become more accessible to us. I like that perception. You know, a number of years ago, I got my advanced ham radio license here in Canada, so you can operate radios, and you have to learn, to, you know, Ohm's Law and all the radio antenna links and how it all works. And one guy said to me, he's like, as he's going through it, he says, and he got really deep into it, everything's on a frequency. He says, we talk, it's on a frequency. Radio is on a frequency. We see everything on a frequency. It's like everything is yeah. just on a wavelength of something. And yeah. that kind of clicked in my mind because prior to that, I was always, if somebody says, oh, you know, change your frequency, it, it sounds like the man bun. Sandal wearing type. Yeah, exactly. It does, exactly. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, it does. But if you look at it from that standpoint, you know, everything's coming at us. There's, we've got Wi-Fi signals coming around. We've got, we've got all these different frequencies of communication, this is just another level of it. Um, this is just another, talk, it's science, what I'm telling you, actually. It's not, it's not airy fairy. This is science. It's proven by science. This is a science discussion. So I saw recently, and I didn't fact check it, but it sounded interesting, mm -hmm. uh, people mm -hmm. talking about, uh, what was it? They watched a movie. And the movie was all about stress and the negative aspects of stress and what it can have on a person's mm -hmm. life. And other people, mm -hmm. they watch the same movie, but they were given all the uh, positive aspects of what yes. stress, you know, it, it can. Yes. And they found people came out from the exact same situation, but because they perceived yes. the stress differently, the negative effects were the, uh, identifiable in their blood, right? They could hi higher mm -hmm. cortisol levels, higher... And mm -hmm. apparently the same thing for having a milkshake, right? Some say, oh, fat's yeah. bad and, you know, all the rest. The other one says, oh, it's good for the brain and this is an energy yeah. shake. And just that perception yeah. alone of these different things. Yeah. Again, I didn't fact check this one, so I don't want to be yeah. beacon off here, but it sounded like an interesting study and it came across as looking factual. Uh, Look, you I mean, think, think, you know, you, you, you know, cold water immersion. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard yes. about cold water immersion? Oh, now, yeah. when, when people don't know, don't know that it's good for you, they get hypothermia in two minutes. I've heard that. I've heard that. Exactly. And when, they're good, when you think it's good for you, you can stay in there for 10 minutes. And you actually have great results from it. You're not into panic. You're actually approaching it with, oh, this is good for me. And the only thing that they, changed they was another, your mindset. Yeah. Example that's your approach. I mean, you're arriving at an airport and you think everything's going to be seamless. And everything seems to be seamless. And you're arriving yes. in an airport and you're angry and you're looking for things to be angry about and you'll find five things to be angry about because that's yes. really what you're looking for. You're, you, cre you keep reconfirming your belief system. Mm -hmm. The reality we live in is neutral. It is mm -hmm. not bias. You are bias. Your mm -hmm. perspective on something is the thing that's echoing back to you. They did another study in Miami. They, they did a wellness day for the, the staff of a hotel. And they explained to the staff of the hotel that when they rise or raise their heart rates, they lose weight. And mm. they gave them all Fitbits. And the ladies that were cleaning the rooms started to realize their heart rates were going up and they started losing weight. Doing exactly <laughs> the same stuff, doing the same work. 
And let's go even one step deeper. I don't know if you've seen any of this research, but schizophrenic people that are, that are having multiple personality disorders, mm -hmm. some of their personalities need glasses and some of them don't. I remember... Some of their personalities need, are allergic to grass and others aren't. And it, and it manifests itself physically. Exactly. If physically. Mm -hmm. So if you think about this, and further study will show us, and this is, free, this is Einstein's word and phrase. You can look it up. He says, the medicine of the future will be the medicine of frequency. And so what we've started to realize is that diseases are linked to frequencies. And so when people are having cancers and these things, they're linked to your frequency of self-doubt, of self-pity, of victimhood, of anger, of adrenaline, of high beta brainwave for 40 years. It manifests as a dis-ease in your energy field. Mm. And so when you start to meditate and you start to calm your heart and you start to change your brainwaves, your diseases go away because why? You're changing your frequency and the disease doesn't link itself to a higher frequency. It's only linked to a lower frequency. Mm -hmm. So let me just back up here for a second because I'm mm. a futurist. Mm -hmm. I am a faculty member at Singularity, at Duke, at London Business School. This is, this is, I teach futurism. But what has happened in my work and my research is that I keep realizing that there's no future. There's only the now. And the way you come at the now depends and determines your future. And so, you know, and so this is my own, like it's an unbelievable journey that I've been on because I'm all about the future, but I'm now talking about frequency and meditation. And I'm like, what happened to my work? Because I was talking <laughs> all about drones and, you know, blockchain. Yeah. And, and the more I dived into it, the more I realized those things are irrelevant if you're arriving at them anxious. They are irrelevant if you're arriving them from a low frequency. They are bad for you. But if you raise your frequency and become more curious and creative and collaborative and in an alpha brainwave, they are incredibly exciting to deal with. So why would you want to not arrive at them with the right mindset and heart set so that you can utilize them to do good with? I really like that way of thinking. You know, I, in the talk about AI that we had on the collective there, I brought something up and I've been thinking about it a bit and I haven't had the time to really think it through, but it's, it's interesting what you're talking about here about there is no future. It's just a constant now. Um, when you type something into AI and are surprised at how accurate it can come back and we're just in the infancy of the, the whole AI uh, renaissance here, I've, coming to the conclusion that I don't really think there's any independent new thought on things. Everything's just a recycling or of an idea that has happened before. And I said that, and I know I'm going to be challenged on that in a future one. And I figure my response to that will be, well, think of something new or tell me something new and type it into AI and let's see what comes yeah. up with, right? Because if we can collect all of the information that's out yeah. there, but because yeah. uh, what, what I was mentioning was, you know, as we look at AI, and I think Elon came out and said something along the lines of the odds of us living in a simulation exceeds simulation. the odds that we, yes. right, that, yes. that we aren't. Yes. And they've got the whole holographic universe theory, and um, yes. th 
there's also uh, who's a guy from uh, Reading Rainbow. The more you know, the um, uh, what's his name? He's a scientist. Anyways, uh, he says, "Look at I, I was really disturbed by this thought that we're living in a uh, simulation, but my research mm-hmm. now says that." It's a 50-50 chance, or maybe 51% yeah. chance. Right? And, and he's come out to that. We're either on the very mm. first level that's going to be creating the simulation. Mm. Um, so what, what what I was looking at essentially was, you know, people are like, well, um, am I real? And Is this what I'm experiencing around me real? And the conclusion I come to is essentially we make our reality and we base that off of like Mm. Descartes who says, I think, therefore I am. And who Mm. based that off of St. Augustine, he was called out on that. And they said, no, 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 someone else said that before you. And St. Augustine was leaving Mm. it to something, I think it was Aristotle who built upon Plato and uh, Mm. Eastern (laughs) philosophers had the whole butterfly having a dream thing. But when you look at these revolutionary groundbreaking ideas, I don't know if there's Mm. anything that's truly new am i off base on thinking that or am i kind of on the right no, track I, from your I, perspective no i absolutely i absolutely agree with you i think that from this level of consciousness mm. i think we've capped you know we've capped it I, I i don't see anything new i'm constantly researching and looking and checking there's no real new thoughts out there i think we need to elevate ourselves to start to figure out new ways of thinking new solutions mm. to bring about and i think the panic in the world around AI is the fact that if we don't evolve, AI is better than us and smarter than us. And if we didn't evolve post-agricultural times, steam engines and tractors are better than us. They just are. Mm -hmm. But in our Mm -hmm. physicality, they're better than us, not in our mentality. But now Mm -hmm. our mentality is being being, uh, challenged. And so we have to now think about our consciousness. We've never thought about our consciousness. It's never been something we've ever even thought about. But remember, in agricultural times, nobody thought about a data scientist or an accountant or a lawyer, or there was no such thing. There was, there was, mm-hmm. there was, a, there was a, it only evolved in the last 200 years. And so we are like Goldilocks. We want our porridge just like it was, just at the right temperature. Nothing must change, <laughs> just like we understand it to be. And it's almost like every generation thinks that anything before us was pretty dumb and anything ahead of us is far too strange. So let's just keep Mm. things exactly as they are, which is a ridiculous way to think about the world, is that we have to be constantly evolving and elevating. If we didn't, we wouldn't have electricity. We Mm -hmm. wouldn't have computers. We wouldn't have telephones. We wouldn't have a million things that we take for granted today. We wouldn't have them. So what, we must Mm -hmm. stop everything now? And so we mustn't also be scared of these things. We must be scared of them if we're not evolving and elevating. And so, look, mm. do you want to talk about the four ways to build consciousness? And then maybe that could be the sort of the, the, let's the, do that. the, the ending of it. Yeah. Let's, I think let's that's do important that. because we've been talking about it. Yeah. Okay. So, look, the, 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 the research that I've done around it, uh, I call it human software transformation. And it's our software that we need to evolve and elevate. And, again, like I spoke about a bit earlier, our personality is made, away, made up of how we think, how we act, and how we feel. And the first thing that we have to really think about is our past, our memories, and what has created our personality to date. And much of our personality has been formed through trauma. And the trauma that sits deep in our subconscious minds that we don't often even know we have. And 
you know, especially the older generation, when I, when I gave my mom and dad uh, coaching sessions for one of their birthdays, and they looked at me very strangely. They're like, <laughs> why are you giving us this? There's, there's nothing wrong. Why would I want to go seek coaching? And I realized that it's their generation just doesn't see like there's anything wrong. The trauma is so deeply entrenched that it's just the way it is. That's the way it, oh, mm. the world is, and I'll just get on with it. So the mm -hmm. first step to developing your consciousness and elevating yourself is actually becoming aware that your personality is built on false memories. And very quickly, just as a caveat, do you know that all our memories are false? Because none of our memories are really true because most of our memories are just stories we've decided to hold on to. That, I mean, That's who right. says they're true? Like, and we extrapolate and build on them and something might have happened that was very small 12 years ago, but we've built so many stories on top of it to justify our anger, sadness, frustration, and and just irritation with the world. So really none of our memories are true and we can release mm -hmm. that. And so when we heal our trauma, we release ourselves of old patterns. Our brain literally starts to change when you release anger for your dad, for your mom, for society, for race, for men, for women, whatever it may be. You, mm. you literally change your brain waves. You change the way your brain thinks. You start to look for different realities and all of a sudden you brighten your future by releasing your past. And I'll give you one very quick example. I didn't speak to my dad for 20 years. And subconsciously, by being angry with my dad, I subconsciously created a pattern that men out there are like my dad, abusive, angry, and bullies. And mm. guess what? I'm, I'm straight, right? I'm not gay, but I'm talking men in my life, businessmen, mm. older men, mm. uh, friends in many ways, were representing my dad. I kept attracting these gangsters and these terrible men, bullies. Why? Yeah. Because my idea was much more keen, or my brain was much more keen on being angry with my dad, keeping stuck to that identity, projecting that story out into the world and recreating that persona to reconfirm my belief systems. So, step one, wisdom having memories with no triggers mm -hmm. or as Alan Watts says, the wise, the, the knowledgeable man has to learn something new every day, but the wise man has to unlearn something new every day. I love Alan. Alan, what a man. So yes. first up, let's clean our past because you can't raise your consciousness. If you don't clean your past, if you're angry about your past, you can't, you can't move forward. The second thing, is something that we don't even realize we're not doing is we don't make any decisions based on our curiosity. None of it. We are only making decisions based on outcomes, on absolutes, on logical ways to do things, on primal ego ways of doing things. We think that curiosity is only there for hobbies. We don't think we could make money out of our curiosity. And this is such a lie because our curiosity mm. is our genius. It's our golden thread to the highest version of ourselves. And we can see the younger generation doesn't want to fit into a system anymore. They've created something called the creator economy. A hundred billion dollars already and counting. What does it mean? People are curious about a topic. They dive deeper and deeper into it. They become specialists at it. They become unique in their currency. And people want to pay money to be around them. Me. That's what mm -hmm. I've done. I'm just curious mm -hmm. about neuroscience, psychology, Futurism and business strategy. Nobody else is. I am, but here I am. Yep. I've written books. I make money. I travel around the world. I talk. I've developed that. And it's all based on my curiosity. Nobody tells me I have to write a book. Nobody tells me I have to research. This is based on my own absolute desire and fascination. 
And so we've never been taught because school never celebrated curiosity. It was if you were too curious, you were too naughty. And mm. you were put on retinal. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you see? That's right. Shut down That's the right. curiosity, son. Shut down that yeah. curiosity is not for this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the third step, and I've spoken about this already, is our ability to learn how to imagine. And we have shut down imagination to such a point that UNESCO's future literacy program calls it a poverty of the imagination. The mega trend that humanity is going through is a poverty in our ability to imagine better worlds ahead of us. We'd rather imagine worse worlds ahead of us rather than better mm. worlds ahead of us. And so if we think about reality and frequency and, and echoes and projection and quantum science, your imagination is truly the forthcoming attractions to your life. Just like Einstein said 120 years ago. You know, that guy was ahead of his time. Mm -hmm. and, the fourth, and the fourth way is through a process of daily meditation. And if most people listening to this say they can't meditate, all they're really saying is they're addicted to high beta and their brain is their boss. They are not the boss of their brain. Mm. And their brain tells them how to act, where to go and what to do. They don't tell their brain how to act and what to do and where to go. And so really fitness of meditation gives you the ability to relax your brain and rewire it so that your personality can change. And, in, and, and, and a repercussion of your personality changing is that your personal reality starts to change because your personal reality is an echo of your personality. Mm -hmm. And so this process of healing your past using curiosity or in other ways, your passions, desires, fascination and, and, and sort of inquisitiveness as your guiding light to what you could do, imagining amazing futures, creating calm and inviting ideas in your subconscious mind around money, around people and around situations, look, gets your brain to start to seek out those situations and then to use meditation as the daily tool to unwire and unfire. Now you start to increase your consciousness little bit by little bit by little bit. I absolutely love that. I have reams of other things that have coming up off of what you've said there. I recognize that we need to be able to cap this at a certain point. And I'm sure we'll be talking offline a bit too. If people want to hear more about what you do and see what you do, I will, I'll have links in the description. Check out the expansive, fantastic podcast. Check them. You're on TikTok, on Instagram, you're on social media. You've got your website and you do speaking yeah. tours all over the world. Yeah. yeah. And I've been told I also have to plug the Silver Core podcast because people have to remember Please at do. the end. Of course. Check out, if you like it, share it with your friends and uh, subscribe, yes. comment. But John, thank you so much for being on the podcast. <laughs> it was a truly enlightening conversation. And I truly believe that there's a reason why you and I are talking at this moment. The universe I have no, I have no, yeah, I have no doubt that. Uh, thank you, I, I, no doubt there is, and uh, thank you so much for reaching out. And you know, I got to love the world that it's been so small, right? You're literally mm. 12 hours away from me in the middle of dead <laughs> winter, and yeah. uh, here we are talking and uh, connecting and uh, having a fantastic chat. Thank you so much, and uh, hello to all the listeners, and thank you all for tuning in, and uh, look forward to seeing you somewhere in the world soon.